Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, listeners. Before we get to the latest episode of Think Inclusive, I want to tell you about another show I think you'll enjoy. I'm Savita Sundar, and I'm the host of Inclusive Occupations, sharing stories of not just being invited to the party, but dancing. This podcast is a space for school-based occupational therapists, speech-language pathologists, and other educators and related service providers to be informed and inspired to be agents of inclusion in their communities. In the latest season, season two of Inclusive Occupations, we will be listening to the stories of scholars and exemplars who have taken the years of research on inclusive education and made changes in their communities by putting it into action. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts such as Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and so on. Let's get ready for the podcast for inclusionists. Think Inclusive, brought to you by MCIE. From MCIE. Meet Maisie Eddings, author and dentist. I've always loved writing and I was like really, really active in um, creative writing clubs and stuff in middle school and high school always been an avid reader. But in the book she read, one thing that she wanted to see more of was... Characters that struggled with their mental health like I was doing. And I I wanted to see a story where, um, you know, somebody was, was hurting, but they were still able to learn to love themselves and accept love from other people. And so with her book, A Brush With Love, Maisie... Wanted people that don't experience anxiety to kind of have a new perspective on what living with it can feel like. My name is Tim Viegas, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, presented by MCIE. This podcast exists to build bridges between families, educators, and disability rights advocates to create a shared understanding of inclusive education and what inclusion looks like in the real world. For this episode, we talk with Maisie Eddings, the neurodiverse author of A Brush With Love, 
a romance novel set in dental school. We talk about why she wanted to write neurodiverse characters in her books, how she sees herself in the characters of A Brush with Love, and what she hopes her readers take away from the book on how to support people living with anxiety. Thank you so much for listening. And now, my interview with Maisie Eddings. All right, today on the Think Inclusive podcast, we'd like to welcome Maisie Eddings, who is a neurodiverse author, dentist, and most importantly, stage mom to her cats, Yaya and Zadie. She can most often be found. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. This is great. Uh, she can most often be found reading romance novels under her weighted blanket and asking her boyfriend to bring her snacks. She's made it her personal mission in life to destigmatize mental health issues and write love stories for every brain. Maisie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I always forget I have the cat part in there and uh, <laughs> it just, it, it cracks me up too. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's great. Yeah, not everyone can, um, well, let's, I, I don't want to put down anyone else, uh, but I'm just saying some bios um, are well-crafted in in humor. And I, this is one of them. Oh, I really enjoyed you. reading it. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, a little bit of, uh, I guess, confession, you know, when, when I forget who is from someone from your, um, the, your publicist reached out to me and said, I have a love story for you to read. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this because um, it's just not my yeah. typical, it's not my typical genre. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit mm -hmm. later too, but um, I was really intrigued by the story and your mission, right? Mm -hmm. Your mission to destigmatize mental health. So before we get into like, you know, what the book is about and kind of what you're talking about, would you just introduce yourself in the premise of the novel to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for taking a chance on a romance novel. Um, I know that there's kind of a lot of like perceptions on what, you know, that what the genre is and stuff. So I appreciate that step out of your comfort zone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so I, like you said, I'm neurodiverse. I have, um, I have a plethora of things going up in the old noggin, um, ADHD, autism, um, and anxiety. And I, anxiety has always been, it, it's funny because I got like my, my ADHD and my autism diagnoses later in life, but anxiety has always been something since I was like, I remember having my first panic attack at like six years old in first grade. Right. So it's like this very constant thing that I've experienced in my life. Um, and I, I went into dental school, I guess it was like the fall of 2018 is when I started and I was just experiencing like really some of the worst like anxiety and depression that, you know, I'd experienced in my life at that point. Um, and write, reading romance novels was this huge like balm to my anxiety because you had this, like, you went in knowing that there was going to be this happy ending, right? So there was like less of this like fear or pressure that things would go bad. Um, mm. and then I, but one thing that I wanted to see more of was, um, characters that struggled with their mental health, like I was doing. And I, I wanted to see a story where, um, you know, somebody was, was hurting, but they were still 
able to learn to love themselves and accept love from other people. Um, they were hurting and continued to hurt, but still had this happy ending um, and things like that. And so I, I decided to write A Brush With Love. Um, it, it, uh, it's set in dental school um, and it looks at two people who kind of have diverging um, passions in life. And so, um, you know, Harper, the main character, she has a very, almost like a, a very severe um, anxiety disorder that she, she hides and is untreated. And she has like this very strict goal of wanting to become an oral surgeon. Um, and then there's Dan, um, who's her love interest. And he is like participating in dental school kind of out of this feeling of familial obligation and guilt. And so um, the story looks at like how they they learn to love each other themselves and also find like a passion and love for, um, you know, a, a career or something that they're doing every day of their lives. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I, that was really long winded. But um, yeah, that was kind of where the idea came from. Yeah. And so as I was reading the book, I was going, um, you know, cause I, I see in your bio that you are at, still a dentist. Yeah. I graduate in May. So I'm really excited. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, I, I was just curious how closely aligned and you, I, you don't have to answer this question, mm -hmm. but, uh, if you want to, how closely aligned are you and Harper? Cause it mm -hmm. seems like that that would be the logical connection but yeah when I when I told my family actually that the book was happening they're like so you wrote a memoir like and I was like no it's not <laughs> it's not like that at all um I think what was like really um interesting so it, it's really not autobiographical I guess like the the portions of myself that I see in this book are like the way that Harper's anxiety and anxiety attacks physically manifest um, mm. because I wanted to, I was, I, I was really, you know, I was having like anxiety or panic attacks, like every day, sometimes multiple times a day, I couldn't sleep. I, you know, awful insomnia. Like I was really physically hurting so badly. Um, and I wanted to kind of capture how, um, how consuming, um, you know, an anxiety disorder can be. So that, that portion does come from my own experiences. Um, but no, it's not, it's not autobiographical. If anything, I think I was really questioning, um, if I was on the right path with dental school, more like how Dan was and stuff. Um, but they, they popped into my head pretty fully formed as like very unique individuals with unique voices. Um, and I think that was what kind of felt so like healing or cathartic about writing their story is like, it was, it, it was like watching, it was like watching a movie of people that you relate to and seeing them find their happy ending. And that's how writing it felt. So it was like a very like cathartic way to see like, okay, so they can make it through. I can make it through. It, it, there's like a very big separation between me and my characters. I feel like I'm just a scribe and they're just telling me what I have to put down on paper. That's, that's really interesting. And, you know, I've never written fiction, uh, but I do love reading books about writing. Mm -hmm. And so, and that is a very, that's a very common theme mm -hmm. in writing, especially fiction is that it's like these, they're, I'm just kind of the vessel. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it, to... Truly. That's exactly how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to go back to what you said about, um, your experience uh, with anxiety and how that informed you writing specifically what it was like for Harper, because as a reader, 
it was very evident. It was, it was so vivid and tangible. I could almost feel the anxiety as I was reading the, um, the descriptions. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, was that your goal, um, for the reader to really experience? Cause that, that I feel like as far as the, that's something that's very unique about the book is that when anxiety or, um, mental health issues come up specifically anxiety in, in fiction, Mm -hmm. um, that it, it doesn't always land. Mm-hmm. And I felt like this, this really did. Oh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that so much. Um, I, yeah, it was really important to me. I, I, I wanted to kind of capture like that visceral experience because, you know, I feel like we talk about, um, mental health and mental illness and, um, kind of our, our conversations. And I think this is starting to change, but a lot of the conversations, um, kind of have this lens of it's just it's happening in a person's head. It's like a very internal thing. Um, and I don't think that's true, you know, and I so I wanted to like kind of dig deep and I wanted to pay like homage to kind of the physical and like physiological struggles of of carrying the weight of anxiety on a daily basis um, and how it really does add this extra layer of like, I don't even know what the word is like grit or just like white knuckling it. You know, I just wanted to like, Mm -hmm. I wanted to honor that experience because I think it's very, it's very real for people with anxiety. But I also just, I really wanted so badly to um, make, I guess I, I wanted people that don't experience anxiety to kind of have a new perspective on what living with it can feel like. Um, and I felt like going into like kind of a visceral or like sensual discussion or sensory discussion, excuse me, about that would be um, like a good way to make it relatable. Cause everybody knows what it feels like when their heart's thumping or when like it, adrenaline prickles through, you know? So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's what, that's what I was trying to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, also in the book, uh, I think you said it at the beginning in your description, uh, Harper hides it, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't want people to know. Um, and especially from Dan, when she first meet him, like mm-hmm. she's afraid that he's going to see this and be like, Oh, mm-hmm. she's weird. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, engage. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, um, how, w- what did you want the reader to learn if anything from like, how Dan and Harper interacted with each other and Dan learning about the anxiety and then learning how to support because there's parts of that where he like completely messes up how to deal with it. Yeah. Right. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think like, I I think that's true with any relationship as you, as you learn, you learn how to love your, your partner and how to like in any relationship, you learn how to love somebody in a way that they need and stuff. And so it's a lot of trial and error and and there's no shame in that. Like you shouldn't, you can't automatically get it right off the bat. But um, yeah, I think um, I, wait, I lost my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> wait, sorry. Um, it's okay. Uh, oh, okay. So I think that we look at, um, there's a lot of shame still and stigma um, around um, mental health and even just having conversations about it. Right. It, it kind of feel like people feel a little uncomfortable and stuff like that. And, um, and we internalize that as people that might, 
you know, carry that or have anxiety or depression or bipolar or any of these, you know, um, things that society so often like tells us not to talk about. Um, and so I kind of wanted to show that internalization and that like internalized ableism and stuff, because it is, it is scary to grapple with something, um, as, as consuming as like anxiety, um, but then also feel shame around it. Right. Like it, you know, it's kind of like this idea that like you should be able to handle your life better, or you should be able to just not like flip out over all this stuff. And that's just not the reality. Like, you know, you can get really easily, triggered by things that life throws at you or and it's just out of your control a lot of times it's, it's a chemical imbalance um a lot of it is rooted in like trauma response and stuff like that and so I I guess like I wanted to um I wanted to show somebody that like I think with Harper's journey is I wanted her to um learn to kind of shed that shame a little bit and like be open mm -hmm. with people and so you know Dan as a partner was somebody that was like very open to learning how to love her best. And he like, mm -hmm. he, he, he messes up and he fails, but it doesn't mean that he's not willing to like keep trying. Um, and together they kind of like learn how to love each other that way. Um, but yeah, I just, I wanted to kind of highlight like the shame that we carry in us and how it kind of prevents us from fully loving ourselves or being loved by others. Uh, another um, aspect of the book is, you know, not only anxiety, but you, you kind of tackle other topics like sexism and ableism, like mm -hmm. you just mentioned. Um, so it and um, like, I, I don't want to spoil the book for anyone, but, <laughs> you know, Harper um, confronts a very um, sexist patient mm -hmm. in the book. Yeah. And, um, not only that, but Dan is with her at that time. Mm -hmm. And Dan also kind of doesn't handle it that great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was wondering, I'm like, did this actually happen? Number one, or is this something that you like had heard or, or, or experienced yourself mm -hmm. in a personal way? It doesn't have to be like exactly the, the, the thing, but, yeah. um, I thought about it as I was reading this book. I, I was shocked by how much sexism um I faced or I've, I've experienced kind of in in my field like I think it's very um I I don't know I maybe I'm just like really naive but I didn't kind of um expect it as much as as I, I feel like it's been a part of my life um patients um they 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 tell me they don't want a woman dentist um you know and they request like changes and stuff like that um they don't you know trust women to care for them. Um, I think I've also, um, heard experiences where, and this, this has happened with other people too, where, um, so a patient gets transferred from a, a woman provider to a male and the male's experience with that patient is night and day different. Like there's mutual respect and it's like, you know, um, they, they're laughing and joking. I'm like, there's no issues and stuff. And so there's, I still think that there's like a lot of internalized misogyny in, in medicine. Um, and even as like people seeking care. Um, and so then it becomes like this ethical dilemma, right? Because it's like, you need to honor a patient's autonomy, but you're also like, but wait, like, you know, I, I have the skills to do this and, and everything. But um, I think even, even in the, the structure of a dental school, there's a lot of, um, 
there's a lot of sexism and, um, you know, you look at oral surgery in particular is a field where um, I think that there's like a lot of gatekeeping against women progressing in the field. Um, so you have some women that are like very high in the field, mm-hmm. but they they also kind of like internalize that that misogyny and they they gatekeep and um, the way that they interact mm-hmm. with women seeking mentorship and stuff. Um, you know, and then you know, I've had I've had faculty members make really. Um, lewd comments to me while I'm working on a patient. So like, you know, I, I'm, I was taking an impression where you have to kind of like massage somebody's cheeks and, um, and I, and I was doing it to this, um, man. And then my faculty was like, Oh, not a bad way to start your morning. Like having a pretty girl massage your face, right. Something to tell the guys later. And it was just like, I just felt so small. Right. You know, it's yeah. just like, and it's yeah. gross. And it like, it automatically like kind of demeans my, my position and like my role as like a, a caregiver. So yeah, mm-hmm. I was really shocked by, by that being in, in medicine and stuff. And, um, so yeah, I wanted to highlight that because that was so frustrating and, and still yeah. continues to be. <laughs> well, that's great. That I'm so glad you included it because again, I'm learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, but um, yeah, that that is uh, that was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I wanted to, to ask you, um, like, how did you feel, like? Uh, about about ableism Mm -hmm. um how did you want to address it in the book Mm. um because you know i think that you know well i I, i'll just speak for myself Mm -hmm. you know like i've been working through ableism for Mm. years it feels like i still am Mm -hmm. um despite all of the people i've talked to (laughs) despite you know me being an educator um i think that it's a, it's a long road to undo all the stuff that we've learned about ability. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, how did you want to portray that in, in the story with, uh, you know, with Dan and Harper and her and the friends? Yeah, I think I, and I'm with you on that too. Like there's just always constant like unpacking of these things that you have internalized and everything like that. Um, I, it was that was like one of the trickier aspects too because you know in in kind of looking at it through the lens of the story i had to confront a lot of like my own internalized perceptions of you know things that i didn't even realize were kind of ableist about how i like saw myself and my own role in my own journey but you know i wanted to show um i i think like in a lot of ways we see people in medicine and we automatically assume that they kind of are above above, um, I don't know what the right word is, um, kind of above being, you know, sick in a lot of ways or having, you know, mental health issues. Um, you kind of assume that they have like a perfect bill of health in a lot of ways because that's the role that they're kind of cast in in society. Um, and so I wanted to like look at through Harper's journey on how she has internalized this idea that she needs to be put together and perfect or otherwise she's incapable of helping other people and kind of address that idea that you, you can hurt and you can still help people. Um, You can, you can hurt or, you know, have um, struggles with, with mental illness or manifestations of it um, and still be worthy of love and still be worthy of a career that fulfills you and things like that. Um, And so yeah, and I think just like there's also this idea that people won't 
won't love you anymore or trust you if and you feel like a burden um if you kind of express just how deeply you're being affected by things like um uh anxiety or depression um which is why she was really closed off about it even with the people closest in her life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um i i just kept when i'm reading this when i was reading the book it, it was it's hard because both Dan and Harper, I feel like are searching for belonging. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, like they, um, I mean, the, it's so hard to like, let people love you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. because, because, uh, you know, and so I guess, uh, I guess that's very relatable. I mean, it's relatable for everyone. I mm-hmm. think, yeah. you know, because there's a part of there's a part of you that like you don't want to let people know that yeah. that's there, whatever that part is, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I just felt like that that came across really well in the book. And of course, you know, we are talking about a romance novel, mm-hmm. so let's talk about happy endings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, I, I honestly wasn't sure. You know, again, I'm not too familiar with the romance genre, mm-hmm. uh, so. Um, towards the end of the book, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this, you know, like what's going to happen here? (laughs) Like, are we actually going to have a happy ending here? And, um, so I don't think we can, you know, it's not, no spoilers that there is one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so would you consider this in like the romance genre? Yes, definitely. Um, I think, yeah. And so I think, you know, interestingly enough, there's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of stigma and like a lot of, um kind of perceptions of like the romance genre right um and it's it's the punchline to a lot of jokes and it's you know you kind of um you know everybody has like the same three romance novels that they recycle every february for articles you know in the atlantic or whatever where it's like 50 shades of gray pride and prejudice and then i don't know something something else but you know we have like this very um specific frame of mind with it um and I think that that does such a disservice to all that the genre offers. Um, There's so many unique and just like incredible stories and, you know, just like that follow the tenets that, um, you know, there's a central theme of people falling in love and people getting a happy ending. And I think that's so awesome, right? Because it's like, people fall in love in countless ways. And then we get to see that through these stories. Um, so yeah, this is definitely, it's a definitely a romance novel. Um, you know, it's definitely about um, Harper and Dan loving each other. Um, and then it's also about how they, they love themselves and accept themselves and learn to accept love um, and get that, get that happy ending there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are, what are some of your um, favorite things to read? Uh you know, as a, as a writer, like what, what, as, cause I mean, you're, you're very, it sounds like you're very busy. So number one, you know, like how much time do you actually get to read? Uh, uh, but yeah, what are some of your favorites? Um, I don't, I, I haven't had as much time to read lately because, um, I've been on this deadline for a book and I am like dying with it. So like, I probably haven't read a book in about a month or so, which is like the longest stretch I've gone. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I for a while there, I was like 
before I started writing my own books, I was reading about a book a day. It was like very much like I need to get as far away from my day to day and just like zoom into other uh, worlds and stuff like that. I can't, it probably wasn't the healthiest coping strategy. I mean, I guess there could be worse, but <laughs> um yeah, I, so I think that um, I, I'm a huge um, romance genre reader, and it's it's what I primarily read. And I think that there are some amazing voices out there that are totally highlighting and um, spotlighting uh, neurodivergencies um, and you know mental health, and also kind of looking at like um, you know just putting disabled characters front and center of these love stories, which I think is so. It shouldn't be groundbreaking, but it is um, because for so long, you know, you've kind of heard that like or not heard, but it's kind of this perpetuated idea that like disabled characters aren't the main characters. Um, and so some books that come to mind. So author um, Chloe Liza, she is um, she's she's a romance novelist and she she's also autistic and she writes some of like the best neurodiverse characters and, um, and love stories. And I think that she is like just a groundbreaking author and she has a series called the Bergman series. Um, and I think there's going to be, what is it? Seven books total or something like that. Um, and yeah, so she's done such an amazing job, like looking at autism and, you know, she does just fabulous rep. Um, another author that comes to mind is Talia Hibbert. Um, she writes, um, I actually have one of the books right here, but that, that's not on purpose, but it's called Take a Hint, Danny Brown. And this one has um, really great ADHD rep um, for the one of the main characters. Um, and so, you know, she's exploring love and, um, and neurodiversities and a lot of um, like, you know, various other disabilities and stuff. And her characters always like coming through and getting their, their happy endings. And then, um, Outside of that, I, I've actually been reading a lot of poetry lately, <laughs> which I don't know why. Um, I guess because it's like kind of easily like consumable, you know, when, when you have like a shorter poem, but then you can like sit and think about it and stuff. Um, and I've been reading a lot of Audre Lorde's, um, work and Margaret Atwood's book of poetry and stuff, but, um, I wish I read more nonfiction. I just like can't focus on it very well. Like my, <laughs> My brain just goes like, it just wanders away. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, what started you on the path to writing? Because uh, it sounds like, well, it sounds like you're an avid reader, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that probably has, and you've probably been like that for a, a long time, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but you know, going through your path with, uh, to being a dentist, like how did you, how did you get onto the path for writing? Yeah, um, it was, it was a really weird um you know, divergency from like kind of what I expected my life to take. Um, I've always loved writing and I was like really, really active in um, creative writing clubs and stuff in middle school and high school. Um, but it was, you know, those were all like short stories or, you know, sort of like just little, little snippets of scenes that I would write. Um, and like you said, I've always been an avid reader and I tried you know, writing books. And I was just like, I just don't even understand how somebody does that. Like, what, how do you mm -hmm. figure it out? You know? And so then, um, it wasn't something that I like pursued or like made time for as much as I would have liked, or I wish I had in undergrad and stuff like that. Um, but I was taking literature analysis courses when I could, um, you know, I, I yeah, those 
those were always just like my fun classes. Um, and then when I got to dental school, um, I was just, I really was so overwhelmed and so immersed in like the toothy world. <laughs> and like, um, I, <laughs> I, I needed, I needed an escape. And so that's when I was like, like I said, I was reading like a book a day of, um, you know, just like just consuming romance novels at such a rapid rate. Um, I like I was so desperate for an escape. I took up like marathon running and I was like listening to like um romance uh uh audiobooks while I was running <laughs> and I was like so that's how I finished those things. But yeah, I think I was just like really looking for an escape and then I wanted to write a story that kind of reflected like I said my own struggles or like the you know the consume consumingness of um anxiety and also in this world that I was like so ingrained in, but see these people win and get that happy ending and find a lot of passion and, and success in their lives. Um, yeah. And so that was the way, way it went. And then I just couldn't stop writing. So, um, you know, now I, I think I, I have like, I, yeah, no, no, no. I have like five books coming out over the next two years. Um, so I've been really busy writing all of those. <laughs> um wow yeah so I, I'm I'm that's great yeah I'm really I'm really grateful for the opportunity um to write I've I've like nothing has ever felt more fulfilling than than um getting to tell stories and and stuff like that so yeah it's been a real joy so you, you're so but you're still planning on you know yeah. graduating dentist yeah. you know yeah I'm gonna do both <laughs> okay no I mean that's great yeah that's great. I love it um, well, um, where can people find your book? I, I don't remember when it comes out. Does it come out in March? March 1st. Yep. March yeah. 1st. Okay. Yeah. So it's coming. Um, it's anywhere books are sold. Um, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, book depository does free shipping worldwide, which is cool. Um, and then the audio book is coming out. Um, also anywhere books are sold, um, audible, Libro, stuff like that. Um, and then if you want to follow along on, you know, this wild ride that I'm, I'm going, um, my website is maisieeddings.com and, um, I'm on Twitter pretty frequently and that's like at Foxy Grandpa 27 or something like very non-professional. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> is that like, is that an inside joke or something? No, or? I mean, okay. It literally is from that SpongeBob episode where he like... <laughs> But I, I like, I made it, you know, back in college or whatever. And right. then, yeah. and then that's how I started like connecting with other authors. I'm like, well, I can't change it now. Like, you know, Your Foxy grandpa. Yeah, Foxy yeah. grandpa. So yeah. Yeah. I was like, Ugh. every time I say that, I'm like, should I change it? Maybe I should. But um, anyway, yeah. So it's from the SpongeBob episode where he has the hat that says like world's Foxy's grandpa or something. <laughs> <laughs> It just cracked me up. I don't, it's so silly. <laughs> um, and then on Instagram, uh, at Maisie Eddings. Okay. Not Foxy Grandpa. Not Foxy Maisie Grandpa. Eddings. Yeah. No, yeah. that's okay. That's Cause somebody right. took uh, it. Somebody already had that handle. I was oh, devastated. Man. I know. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <Stop>. uh, <laughs> um, so are any of your, uh, future books feature Harper and Dan, or is that story over for now? They're, they're, their love story is, they're not central, but they make little cameos. Um, so the next three books uh, follow the friend groups. Um, 
So the second one, yeah, the second one follows um, Lizzie. um, And that one comes out September 6th of this year. And she she has ADHD and she gets um, wrapped up in an underground erotic baking like scheme that just, you know, spirals out of control. (laughs) I I could not believe that they like let me get away with that one, but they did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> erotic baking yeah like underground erotic baking underground, okay like back alley yeah it's uh <laughs> um so yeah that one's really fun and then um the third one i'm finishing up now so harper and dan will make little cameos um and maybe one day i'll write you know something more for them but as as for right now like i'm really happy with with where their story ended and then just like the little tiny progress we see in the other books uh Maisie eddings it was a pleasure to have you on the think inclusive podcast thank you for your time thank you that was so fun think inclusive is written edited and sound designed by tim viegas and is a production of MCIE. Original music by Miles Kredich. I hoped you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, one way you can help our podcast grow is to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And if you haven't already, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Special thanks to our patrons, Veronica E., Sonia A., Pamela P., Mark C, Kathy B, Kathleen T, Jarrett T, Gabby M, and Aaron P for their support of Think Inclusive. Another way you can help support Think Inclusive is to become a patron. We are just a few patrons away from producing an additional monthly episode only on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash thinkinclusivepodcasts and become a patron today. For more information about inclusive education or to learn how MCIE can partner with you in your school or district, visit mcie.org. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks for your time and attention. And remember, inclusion always works. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.